Welcome to Knowledge on the Go, the podcast brought to you by the Performance Improvement Collaborative and Knowledge Transfer Teams at Vizient. I'm Lindsay Mayer, Senior Director. Today, we are digging deeper into Wyoming Medical Center's obstetrical training simulation process. To reduce maternal mortality by postpartum hemorrhage and hypertension, Wyoming Medical Center needed a better way to train staff. We'd get together as a group. We'd review a PowerPoint. We would stand around a bed in a labor room with no patient on it. It was just didactic education that we presented in a labor room, pretending that there was a patient on the bed and that we were doing things to her to save her or her baby's life. Jennifer Gallagher is the clinical educator for obstetrics for the birthplace at Wyoming Medical Center. The hospital recognized that everybody in the delivery room needed better training, especially for those rare emergency situations. In an organization where the staff knows each other well and works very closely, making the case for change was simple. I just told them this is what we were doing. And by administration, that's my immediate manager. You know, we explained to her the consequence of poor training in the big picture. And of course, a bad outcome is going to cost much more than a couple hours of education every month for the staff. Jennifer's immediate manager is Dr. Carol Soley, Vice President of Quality and Medical Safety. They researched different methods of training and came to consensus on a bedside simulation program. We had a large in situ company for postpartum hemorrhage come in and they walked us through an entire simulation program for postpartum hemorrhage that was housewide and included all of our ancillary staff. That is the way to get the education across is to allow nurses and staff to get their hands on the, the equipment and the product. Dr. Soley immediately saw the benefits compared to the training they had been doing without simulation. There's no comparison between training in a didactic manner without a simulation and having a simulation occur. You don't necessarily know what you know until you can demonstrate it. And the simulation process really forces you to do that. So it's an outstanding way to learn. And that simulation had a very interesting interactive training element. Hi. I'm Noelle, a high-fidelity training mannequin. We have a Noelle mannequin, and I can program her to push out a baby. She can deliver a breech baby. She can deliver a vertex baby. She hemorrhages. She has seizures. She'll do pretty much what we want. It's always fun to bring a new, new group in and have the mannequin start talking. And then I'll just start talking back to her as a patient, and then she responds Nurses are used to working with their hands, and they do develop that muscle memory. And so when you have a patient in a room or a mannequin in the room, and we can practice fundal massage, or we can practice shoulder dystocia maneuvers, or postpartum hemorrhage maneuvers over and over and over again, along with articulation of the education, the more real you can get, the better the learning opportunity is. Doctors learn the same way everyone else does. The doctors learn much better when they're actually put on the spot and have to think through the scenario and respond. And that is such a different perspective than can be simulated just by reading about something. And having the practice of going through your mind and coming up with the right response 
in a simulation situation is so much better than practicing for the first time on a live patient. There's no substitute for practice. Starting with scenarios and objectives, the simulation ensures participants have clear goals to get the most out of the training. When we schedule our simulations out throughout the year and we send that out to the staff, that piece of information includes a basic scenario, but we also announce the objectives. By announcing the simulation scenario as well as the objectives, they can sign up for their weakness, their comfort level. We get a broad combination of both labor nurses and nursery nurses at those, and then that allows them to have thought about it. Then we do a really thorough pre-brief just prior to the simulation with all of them in the room, and we give them the full scenario of, you know, this is a 32-year-old prime, so she's having her first baby. She's 36 weeks. She fell on the ice, and she started bleeding. So we just give them the entire big picture scenario, just as a nurse would give a physician or a nurse in report. So it's pretty high-level review of what the situation is. So it helps them start to process all of those things. The simulation pre-briefing helped define everyone's role during a crisis. That's one of the thing in emergency management is identifying your roles early. As soon as you can, those things have to be scripted. It has to be, you know, eye contact and names. You've got to use people's names. You've got to give them direct delegation. And there has to be a response. I am running to the blood bank to get that. I did make that phone call. That scripting is very, very important so that there's no loose end commands floating through the air hoping somebody will catch them, but that it is direct it's followed up on, and then there's confirmation that it did occur. Dr. Soley points out, the post-simulation debrief provides a team-building dimension unique to this training. The uh, debrief process is really a place where that team-building occurs when the nurses hear a physician say, oh, I should have done this, and the physician hear the nurse recognize something they could have done better. They humanize themselves to each other to an extent that sense of being vulnerable together and learning together is a great team-building tool. The staff finds this type of training to be a positive experience. Our simulation program is not punitive. It's a learning opportunity. It's never a testing environment. And so we want to take that fear away. So we allow them to actually get in. But simulations still have their challenges. Our biggest hurdle, hands down, is physician involvement. They're very busy and taking time away from their clinic and their patients to come over and do simulations in the middle of the day is very difficult for them. They have a desire to teach and they want to share their knowledge and they want to be part of a successful team, but getting them to comply with a schedule is very, very challenging. I can pretend to be an anesthesiologist all day long, but I don't know what an anesthesiologist knows, obviously, in an emergency situation. To get the best education out of simulation, you have to stage it and set it up in the most realistic way possible. And that can surprise some of the participants. They don't expect that I'm going to pull out a big old 600 milliliter blood clot and ask them to measure it or get their hands in it. They have to put on gloves. They have to do it the way they're supposed to do it. 
and they they don't know it at the beginning, but they love it. And we hear that afterwards when they say, you know what, that was very helpful. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for explaining that to me. We get very positive feedback because we have them in their natural environment. Dr. Soley points out the location of the simulation can be a challenge in keeping it real. For a while, we had our simulation labs set up in a remote location, and they were so afraid about the cost of potentially damaging the mannequin that they wouldn't move it. And when we finally got them to let us locate it in our delivery area, that just made such a difference in terms of the reality factor of staging the simulation. Both Jennifer and Dr. Soley noticed a timing oddity after running a particular simulation. Murphy's Law says after you put your hands on an emergency simulation, it's going to happen to you within the next week. We did a large simulation with an emergency C-section a couple months ago, and it went really well, and we had great staff buy-in and participation. And of course, as it always happens, following that simulation, an actual obstetrical emergency occurred with an emergency C-section, and the nurses involved said that the training was invaluable to their ability to pull together that team in the, in the true emergency. We were able to go from decision to baby in eight minutes, which was just phenomenal. But it's a result of that teamwork. And I've heard from our doctors consistently that they are happy with the teamwork they get in an emergency situation. Effective simulations are not all about the mannequin. Jennifer points out that facilities can do things to help make simulations successful and not cost prohibitive. For anybody interested in doing simulation, start hoarding material and equipment and devices that are contaminated but haven't been used or that are expired or are getting put in the trash. Those are the things that allow us to set up an entire simulation and a labor and delivery simulation is messy. All of those things we don't take out of the normal stock because we recognize that wouldn't be financially feasible, but we save everything we can and then we just go through it, organize it. All of that equipment allows you to get your hands on and really make it as real of an experience as possible. The staff feedback on simulations are overwhelmingly positive, not just for the simulation itself, but from the understanding of how everyone is important in the process. The physicians have commented how the nurses seem more confident when they've gone through simulation. One of the things that we make sure that we do is assign different roles and get the nurses out of their comfort zones. So if I have a labor nurse and a nursery nurse in a simulation, I might alter their role to get them outside their comfort zone and get them to think outside you know, their little compartment that they're used to working in so that they have better teamwork and better understanding from a different perspective. Thanks to Dr. Carol Soley, Jennifer Gallagher, and the Wyoming Medical Center for sharing their story, and to you for listening to our podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at knowledgetransfer at vizientinc.com. From the PI Collaborative and Knowledge Transfer teams, I'm Lindsay Mayer. Remember, knowledge is transformational. Share it. Share it.